Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Wiki Curious Radio. I am your mystery maven, Roxy Zwicker from New England Curiosities, here with you to share stories of the ghostly, the unusual, and a whole lot of curiosities from New England Curiosities. I am missing my sidekick today, the amazing Ken, who is... (laughs) Once again, waylaid because of his work schedule, but I am accompanied by the Professor Lou Blassie here today, who is waving his magic wand over the computer system to make sure that everything is working as it should. And of course, slamming my magic hammer. (laughs) Is is it working today? Well, yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's working today. And then, of course, in between everything, I'm I'm sending him emails saying, I've just decided to do this for the show. (laughs) Great planning on my part there. In today's show, we're going to be getting caught up with, I just got back from a spiritual retreat. I showed the film, The Woodland Alchemy, and I have some strange things that happened, amazingly enough, on my spiritual uh, time away. It's one of those really cool things where unexpected things led to more unexpected things, led to some moments of, wow, I can't believe this just happened right at my doorstep. Interesting. So we're going to talk about that. Um, I also want to share a little bit more detailed information on our ghost exploration coming up on November 1st with the New England Ghost Project. Towards the end of the show, we're actually going to be putting tickets up for sale so you can come finally, because people ask us all the time, when do we get to go inside a place and explore and do investigation? So I want to talk about that a little bit more towards the end of the show. Mm-hmm. It's been quite a past four or five days. And, you know, when you're away, sometimes when you come back and you're like, okay, so I got to plug back in. I yep. Try to, you know, not answer as many emails as I usually do and just stay in the moment for the right. spiritual retreat. And it's it's so hard to come back, especially when you've had experiences. And um, most of my experiences on the spiritual retreat happened over the last couple of days. So I'm still kind of in a little bit of a fog from that. The first couple of days, um, as we we're getting ready to go up to Hancock, New Hampshire, a beautiful, beautiful property called the Sargent Center. Have you heard of the Sargent no, Center? No. It's actually run by BU, Boston University. Oh, interesting. It's a fabulous compound up on uh, Half Moon Lake up in Hancock, which is just outside of Peterborough, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. It was a gathering that they do yearly of people on a spiritual path, not only of community, but of learning. I had been invited to share the film The Woodland Alchemy and to bring some spiritual goods. So I'm the purveyor of goods from Deadwicks <laughs> and New England Curiosities. The first day, honestly, the Thursday trying to get up there and it's amazing how far away I ended up uh, mentally being from the first day because it was it was just crazy like we had to rent a van we had to get all the film stuff together all the speakers the whole big Bose system we had to set up for the sound because you want to hear good sound for the film and then everything that I needed for my presentation and the ritual that I did was emulated from the film so there was logistics oh my god it was (laughs) it was exhausting and of course it was humid So Ken and I are pretty much just sweating. Ken didn't sleep. He was awake for 27 hours. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Trying to help me do all of this. So we were both really rattled when we got there. And all the way we're driving there. It's um, it's about an hour and a half from where we live. I'm trying to tell myself it's going to be fine. Everything's going to go great. And I kept getting the sense that everything was going to be fine. But that first day, man, I'll tell you, trying to just settle into the cottage and get everything out and get all settled in was rough. Yeah. And there's I, responsibilities, things that have to come together. 
it, and there's a mental checklist. Yeah. That sometimes I've left a few pages behind. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> like I hear you. Whoops, forgot about that. So at first it was pretty frazzling, but then as we started to get into the weekend and settle down, it really started to become more and more magical. And I think that is part of understanding the process. You know, that first day you get so caught up in trying to get everything done and the mental checklist. And sometimes you can't realize, you know, I'm going away to a spiritual retreat. I need to go there to relax and get back in touch with my spiritual side and to learn from other teachers as well, which I think is something no matter how expert that you are in your field, not that I have ever possessed myself to be an expert. Right. You never stop learning, no. and that is just it's something that you should continue to do. Even if you feel that there's no more left to learn, there's always more left to right. learn. There so. are people who always have different windows on whatever mm-hmm. it is you're dealing with, so you like those other perspectives. You come back with a fresher perspective on what it is that you know and different ways to present it. And the first workshop that I went to really set the tone for the weekend. It was the, the next day after the, the Frazzle Thursday. It was on the Friday morning. Mm-hmm. It was all about how words have energy and words have power and just the dialogue that you have with yourself on a daily basis and what you're telling yourself that all of that negativity and all of that framework can be really bad in in its own way sending out its own you know its own spell or its own ripple of energy and we don't even realize that so we learned different ways to essentially neutralize that when we have these negative thoughts about ourselves and then how we translate that through conversations with other people we don't even realize and that you are truly sending it out there in in the words and inflections sometimes that you're saying without even realizing right. it sending out a frequency yes and mm-hmm. it was it it's such a good way to be mindful of that and the damage that it can do even just to yourself and i noticed that was a theme throughout much of the weekend and i found myself really noticing more in conversations i was having with other people listening to teachers and what they were saying and really trying to tune into that energy i don't know if you've ever like noticed in conversation that you can just you can just start going down that path of negativity based on how somebody else is talking about something oh sure yeah and you get sucked into it that this is the whole point of this is Mm -hmm. that it it they're ripple effects they go out Mm -hmm. they affect everything they they affect yourself they affect the people in the room that you're with you know and a a lot of all of this is self-fulfilling prophecy i agree and when we were sitting particularly in one workshop and we're all making these uh little handicrafts everybody was talking and it was you know a nice activity to do and we had just done even the instructor had said you know, while you're working on something that you're going to use as a tool, whether it's for meditation, whether it's for magic, you don't want to put that energy into the craft that you're doing. And she turned around immediately and reset us back to when we first started working on that piece. Go back to your original intention, forget about everything you've just heard, even on a daily basis. You know, if you're in an environment with somebody else or, you know, in a work environment or even on a tour, and somebody's really negative, find a way to deprogram that so you don't take that energy with you, whether it's through grounding or even just a mindful thought that you're having to release that. It was an interesting takeaway from the weekend, and it seems so simple. Yeah. Put away the, the negative energy, you know, no bad vibes here type of thing. But I think sometimes we just forget, and that one person can really bring you down. My journey with these types of thoughts was through the secret. And I think what 
people understand this instinctually. They understand the negative power of negative thoughts and negative. It, it's, you know, you go in thinking you're going to blow a job interview. And what mm -hmm. do you do? You blow the job interview. You, right. you set it up and you do it. I don't think people understand the power to, powerful positive side of it. And yeah, once you get right. them into a point where they start to, the secrets lexicon is manifest things mm -hmm. with this type of energy and attract that type of energy. Once you get you get into these flows and it's like you get really surprised mm -hmm. in how, how well it works isn't the word I want to use, but how well it draws positive things to you. It does, and it, it works on both sides. So yeah. while you're drawing in the positive, you can also be drawing in the negative from either yourself or from somebody else, and being able to be attuned to that and pay attention to that yeah, is... But we buy into the negative. We don't buy into the positive. No, we don't buy into the Everyone's positive. walked into a room, and you can feel the down vibe mm -hmm. of a room right away. Everyone understands the negative aspect mm -hmm. of this. No one buy. No one, under, you know, because they see it as the old be positive right. routine that everyone just sort of rolls their eyes and laughs about, but... There is a power. There's power in the positive side of that mm -hmm. equation. There is, and I think that was something that I was really trying to stay focused on. I really tried to be as mindful as possible, even in just a small way, to think to myself, "Okay, this is what I'm trying to learn. This is what I'm trying to yeah. absorb. This is what I'm trying to do to keep it in in that positive." Because it's so easy to go down the rabbit hole of the negative, yeah. and the whole weekend is supposed to be spiritually uplifting and about community and learning and sharing and. I'm good with the external. I'm not good with the internal. Yes. Yeah, you know, I'm really good with the external. I can turn, you know, I can just ignore people <laughs> and their energy when it's not suiting me. I don't have a problem with that at all. That's a good talent. Yeah. But uh, myself, my own personal talk and tone, I have trouble with that sometimes. I get yeah. sucked into that. So well, it, that's an area of work for me. It, it's a practice. Everything's a practice. Yeah. So... I think that was one little reminder throughout the weekend that was really nice. As we, we started to get through the weekend, and, and there is a wonderful concert by a woman named uh, Wendy Rule. She's originally from Australia, and she lives out in Santa Fe. And she has a lot of uh, magical, powerful chants and music, and she was absolutely amazing to talk to. And she did uh, the keynote talk and talked about the myth of Persephone in great detail and how it's inspired her latest album, which I could have listened to her all day because she'd do the storytelling and then do a little bit of music and then do the myth story telling again and okay, that what, was right up my alley what's the primer on the myth oh, so the tweet on the myth it is one that i identify with again let me throw it out there there's so many different ways that you can look at this persephone was originally her name was Corey. she was a daughter of zeus and Demeter was her mother. As she was about teenage years, she was taken into the underworld by Hades. And her mother went on this search trying to find her. And they had never seen her be kidnapped. And in the end, she ended up having to make this agreement to come back up from spring to fall so she could spend time with her mother in the overworld and then she was committed to six months in the underworld and it's thought because she was given a uh, pomegranate and she ate six seeds that one seed was for each month of her in the underworld the thought is that when you become comfortable enough to eat from the land that you're in that that means that you will take that as your home 
Oh, I see. And so she was trapped in the underworld, although um, some people believe that maybe she wasn't trapped, that she did want to be there um, as the wife of Hades and as queen of the underworld. So there's a, there's a lot of themes. There's a lot of mythic yeah. pieces to this and really just super, super summarizing it here. Yeah. Um, it really spoke to me. It's a story that I've always been very intrigued with and to hear it portrayed in song. Uh, she had 24 songs that went wow. through the entire myth and she play different pieces of it it was brilliant it's it's a wonderful way to hear the myth understand what applies to you to hear some beautiful music so that was that was a big highlight for for the weekend for us on our way out as we were getting ready to pack up our cabin and into our rental van it was the perfect time for me to propose to ken hey i want to take a nature walk and ken's like the closing ceremony is about to happen (laughs) for whatever mystical magical reason I said to Ken, I said, we haven't even walked behind our cabin to take a look at the woods that are back there. Yeah. And Ken's trying to rush because closing ceremonies are at 2.30, and I want to do this at 2.20. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> off I go on my little nature walk. I don't know. It's one of those magical moments where I rounded the corner with Ken behind the cabin and looking at the mushrooms, looking at the trees, and... I was just about ready to turn back and walk to the front of the cabin, and a chipmunk went by. So I'm looking at the chipmunk running by, and as soon as I moved my gaze and looked down at the chipmunk, I noticed something strange coming out of the ground. Hmm. And I started to look around, and I saw this mythic plant I had only heard about and never seen. And we're going to get into, yep, we're going to get into this whole story of ghosts and plants in the poison path. At my feet was Indian pipe or ghost pipe. I had sent a picture to you, Lou, about our ghost pipe. Mm -hmm. It is an amazing, truly, it looks like a white pipe coming out of the ground in clusters. It's almost um, it's almost in kind of the same elusive category as lady slippers. Like, you just don't see them. That's Yeah, that's the picture um, that I took right outside our back door, which we hadn't even <laughs> noticed. What's amazing about ghost pipe is initially it was classified as a mushroom, but it's not a mushroom. It's actually a flowering plant. It doesn't photosynthesize, so it's not green. Right. What it does is... Its roots go into the ground, and it feeds on the mushrooms that are feeding on all of the decay. Interesting. It's a it's a very very unique plant, and it's very very rare. Yet I've only seen them in pictures and read about them in books. So, so it's what? Fit, no, it's symbiotic would be both ways. With is it parasitic? It's parasitic. Parasitic. It's, to a yeah, mushroom. it's yeah. it's parasitic. Yeah. But it's it's how it all works in the process of decay. So the mushrooms are decaying the wood, and this is decaying the mushrooms. So it has to be, you know, the right conditions, all of that. When I was standing there looking at the ghost pipes coming out of the ground, I saw a couple of clusters, and then I looked across and saw another very large cluster coming out of a decaying piece of wood. And the first thing I went back to was the night before they had the big bonfire. It was actually right in front of our cottage out on the field. It was a huge ritual bonfire. It's absolutely amazing. 200 people, if you can imagine, running around this bonfire beating drums and how super spiritual that was. And Ken and I had sat in front of the cottage and we were hearing, and this is going to sound weird and ghostly and strange, (laughs) we were hearing all of the trees around us moving and vibrating and whether you want to call it the drums or the trees responding to the energy that was there it was really really potent we sat there watched the whole thing you know go through the evening and then i found these plants 
and of course Ken's like you know it's 225 people are <laughs> people are gathering out in the move. field yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm like Ken am I having this moment like this plant is so sacred and so magical and I had known about ghost pipe that if you find it that if you harvest any you, you really should be harvesting minimally and I didn't want to cut the whole plant up or you know some people cut it for the root I wanted to take two stalks out of the cluster that was there and I never take anything without leaving a thanks or an offering or a piece of hair or something sure. just to leave a piece of my energy for thanks so I'm standing there and trying to figure it out and Ken's rushing he's like do you want to do this or do you want to do the ritual and I'm like but I got to do this so I said all right you know what before we leave we'll come back yep. and we'll stop and I'll get it then of course I had the scissors in the bag in my hand I was very disappointed <laughs> but that's okay so we went to the closing ceremony, and the first thing, it gets weird, the first thing that happened when we walked up to the closing ceremony is they passed around a bowl of stones, and they said, before you go, leave an offering for the land if you got something special from the land. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. yeah that's a direct hit. <laughs> I looked at Ken, and all, all I, could kept, I kept saying is, Ken, Ken. Ken, do you hear that? Do you yeah. hear what they just said, Ken? Like, the last thing I said before we walked into the space is, I need to find something for an offering. I had asked Ken, do we have tobacco, sage? Right. Like, we had gone through all of that. I didn't have anything. And they passed around. See, that's why Ken was holding you up, because he needed to get your offering. I know. Yeah. Isn't that? Is, yeah. But who, I mean, it was all the way across the field. We had no idea. We right. didn't yeah. see what they had there. So they passed around um, this bowl, and I took out a, a black stone as offerings, perfectly circular. Ken took one, too. And right away, I said, this is really strange. Like, how did that even happen within a matter of minutes? So we did the, the closing ceremony and went back. And one of the things that I do, if you're ever harvesting anything for an energetic use or a magical use, one of the things that I do, and I know it's going to sound strange and I get really weirdly spiritual about these things, is I told the plant what I was going to do. Yep. So I said, I'm going to cut a piece of this. I'm only going to use it for the highest good. I was standing there talking to the plant. Yeah. So if people think I'm crazy, well, they yeah. thought I was crazy before, I'm really crazy now. <laughs> I cut one stalk and, and Ken said, you know, can you cut me a stalk too? So I cut him a stalk and left. I mean, the plant was still huge when we left. And we placed our stones down there and put it in the bag. And what I ended up doing when I got home is I made a tincture of it. So I took it and put it in a little mason jar and I filled it with a hundred proof alcohol and put the plants in it. And what's going to happen is the pipe, which is kind of like a whitish pink, is going to turn the alcohol purple. Hmm. And I'm, really? I'm, yeah, I'm actually going to use, and I'll talk about the magical properties in just a minute, but I'm actually going to use it uh, as a, something to anoint or as a spray because it has a, a lot of uh, ghostly connotations, which I'll talk about in just a minute. Hence the ghost pipe or the ghost <laughs> plan. We put it in the bag and we get in the car and we're, we're all set to go. We're all packed up and we're going down the road. You know, we're up you know, in the hills of, of Peterborough and Hancock and it's beautiful and we're passing all these beautiful old farms. I'm, you know, I'm like, I see a sunset, I stop for a picture, but I see an old house, I stop faster for a picture. <laughs> this beautiful old 19th century farmhouse gardens all in front and I asked Ken to pull over so Ken pulls over and I'm out taking pictures and there's butterflies and it's just gorgeous. And I go to get back in the van and I come around the van, and Ken's like, what's that? And he's, he's like, do you hear that? And I turned around, and standing at the door to the van, leaning over the fence, was a beautiful black horse. 
you heard us talk about the Memorial Horses yes. a few weeks ago, and that's something that I've been opening my spiritual path for is um, trying to work with or understand horses a little bit more and their messages. And this beautiful horse was standing there, and I spent like 10 minutes with this horse, this random horse <laughs> that came up, which there were none there. When we first pulled over, there was nothing there. No. The horse came up very gentle, petted the horse, fed the horse some grass, and I was having a moment. So once again, I'm standing there stuttering and stammering. I'm like, Ken, like, do you see what's happening? Like, we got the ghost pipe in the front seat of the car, and we yeah. just had this moment, and now the horse is here. So it was all just, um, just deeply spiritual to me as we were leaving, and we had a few other moments as we left. It was just, it's one of those things, I think once you start seeing that momentum going and I find that with spirit or with magic or whatever you want to call it, you know, whatever it is that's your higher power, sometimes you get that energy going and it just keeps going. So much like you were saying earlier about the secret of the law of attraction, everything that happened yesterday seemed like it was all just so obviously linked. And that was a lot of our conversation when we went home is, is like, you know, we get into these funks where, you know, one bad thing begets another bad thing. And then all of a sudden everything just, it shifts and it opens up and then it's all, you know, all these things and part of its awareness. Once you accept you have a role in it because you tend to think that everything happens to you. Right. That it's just coming at you. And the fact is you have a role in it. Mm-hmm. And once you accept that role and once you understand you have the role and learn how to use it positively, mm-hmm. instead of magnifying the negative, things start to happen. You just have to change your lens. Yeah. Just seeing the magic yesterday. In, and I kept saying to Ken, I'm like, it's like two hours. Like, did you see all this magical stuff that happened to us in two <laughs> hours? Like, yeah. oh, my God, it's amazing. And Ken's like, I'm really tired. I got to go to work. <laughs> Well, <laughs> he, no, he, we, we talked about it, but yeah. it, he ended up taking a nap. <laughs> but it was um, it was amazing. So the ghost pipe is it's just it's such a, a very unique thing to see coming out of the ground, understanding the magic of it. One of the things that it's associated with is if someone is having a problem with a spirit. And this helps to clear that negative space Hmm. and shift that energy. So one of the things that I'm going to do is use it, of course, in maybe a a sage spray or something to help clear a space. Also, I read in anything that I say from this point out, if it's related to, you know, ingesting anything, know that I'm not telling you to ingest it. But part of the folklore is that if you ingest it and you're in severe pain, it actually takes the pain out of your body and puts it on the outside. So again, taking the negative, putting it on the outside, which I thought was pretty interesting as well. There's something about plants that are thought to be dark or scary or poison that all relate to the other side, to the spiritual notion of things. Some people believe that certain plants were tended to by the devil himself. Certain plants were tended by ghosts and spirits and witches. And I'm going to go over a few of the specific ones in just a few minutes. It's an interesting bit of lore. And there are some people that follow that poison path that, well, some of these plants may be ingested in a small amount or a little bit of a larger amount, that they have these strange powers over you because of what they are. Hence the whole, you know, the flying witches, the witches ointment, which of course was a collection of herbs that were put on a broom, you would have this experience of essentially flying. (laughs) And it was really the ointments causing people to go into trance and have these spiritual experiences. So there is a belief in working with that. I'm really excited to see what happens when I start decanting. This is probably going to take about a month to settle in, and then I can go ahead and do the decant and the extraction and all of that. And really all you need is just a few drops 
to really get the the essence of the plant that's in there and I'm, I'm just very interested because I've never seen ghost pipe before. I've never worked with ghost pipe, yeah. even though I've read a lot about it. I'll have to bring some in and show you the beautiful purple that it's going to turn, which <laughs> is pretty like interesting. It. Is it edible? It is edible in small amounts. Yeah. You would have these visions. So that's where you get into more of, you, you know, kind you of. You can understand this kind of connection and, and uh, rhetoric around plants because mm-hmm. people are eating plants all the time. Sometimes if you eat something, it can give you some interesting reactions. Right. So. You know, th- there was nowhere for them to attribute it except for spirituality. Right. right. Yeah. This one killed somebody. It's <laughs> it's the devil. Right. You know, this one sent you flying. It's, you know. And I think that's where in last week we talked a lot about, you know, the weird folklore that was out there in the 17th century. And it just seemed to be very odd that here was this plant right outside our door. We're having this you know amazing spiritual magical weekend. I didn't hear anybody else talk about it. I looked around when we left. I didn't see any others. And it just seemed to be kind of odd. I don't know if it was a coincidence. You, Again, we throw that word around. Did that you it was know there. of it when you saw it? I knew exactly what it was. Oh, you knew exactly what it was. But I had never seen it. I've in, in New any... England all my life, never heard of it. Yeah, the ghost it's ghost pipe or Indian pipe. Yeah, I know. And yeah. it it was it looks like a ghost. It's going to be a little something I'm going to try working with seeing if it does truly move energy out of negative spaces. Mm-hmm. But it got me thinking about a lot of the plants that are out there on the poison path. Yeah. You know, things like belladonna and wolf's bane and uh you know, devil's claw, all of those strange All of which have folklore and They they do yeah. that there's they're poisonous clearly, but does that make it a plant that you cannot work with? So clearly you wouldn't want to ingest it. But its spiritual properties is something that a lot of people believe in and use these plants for that and, you know, do the extracts or do the, the essences. And when I talk about essences, if you haven't heard of an essence, it's essentially, again, it's going to sound kind of weird, but it's communicating with the spirit of the plant asking the plant to lend its energy to you and essentially capture that without injuring or harming the plant and working with that in you know in a, in a liquid there's a few different ways that you really? can get yeah. you can, it's called a flower essence there's a few different ways that you can do that um, I did in in that instance though I did take two pieces of the plant because I wanted to not just do the essence right but I wanted to actually have the plant I don't know it's just it's it's strange that in sometimes things that we fear and for me that was also part of the theme of the week because we were showing the film and it's all about light and dark and you can't just work with plants that are of the light but working with plants that are of the dark and things that they have to teach you well nothing in life is one note in other words right. it may be poisonous to you but it has benefits you know if you don't ingest it there are there might be benefits to it right like not everybody and not everything is just darker light right yeah and when we think about that we fear the things that we don't know and i think there's a lot that this ghost pipe is going to have to teach me it was even strange when we went back to harvest it it was you know probably about 45 minutes later from when we first spotted it the sunlight from the trees was shining right on it when we first found it it was in the shadow yeah and we came around the thing and once again i was like freaking out i was like ken look the sunshine and that's what ken said he's like see it's they're telling you it's okay to take it because i was all panicky i'm like oh my god i'm gonna cut two pieces off of it and he's like no the light's okay it's telling you it's all right it's it's strange i know it sounds really weird but it's in the context of everything that was happening right it's hard not to look at these things synchronicities yeah. as it were 
I'm really fascinated, and there's a couple other plants that um, I'm going to talk about in a couple minutes here, too, that have some interesting energy. And we actually got some feedback from some people at the event that we were at who uh, got it from us. But it's it's funny, these poison plants, when, when we look at them, they're protective. They connect with the spirit world, the unseen world, and that there's so much that they have to teach us on their on their many many different levels you know not saying that you should be going out and eating these plants (laughs) or digging them up in in any sense it's fascinating to see that there's a whole nother side of things that are out there that are more on the shadow side that have lessons and energy to lend to us and Mm -hmm. to teach us things except of course for poison ivy which is just all evil poison <laughs> it's all evil it's, it's all, all dark it is and it's all over the stone wall in my backyard behind yeah. behind us we we don't go out there and garden <laughs> anymore we learned that the first year we moved yeah. in um you'll notice that poison ivy and i don't know if you knew this where poison ivy grows if you look around there are actually plants that grow around the poison ivy that are essentially the healers so if you get you know, poison ivy on your hands. There's usually a few plants there that if you mash them up, they'll help heal the poison ivy. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So it usually sprouts. Some people don't realize that when they pull out the poison ivy, but the antidote is right there (laughs) around a lot of poison ivy. And we have that in our yard, but the poison ivy is just running so wild. You know, there's just a few. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. And I know on Ghost Chronicles, we're talking about animism. That was the, that was the word of the day. on Ghost Chronicles. Yes. And, Thinking about plants, I mean, they're they're alive and that they have a spirit, too. I, I think in a lot of cemeteries that I've gone to, you see certain plants growing on certain graves and the beliefs of, you know, where they are in the cemetery lends an energy to it as well. I just I find it I find it fascinating that plants have so much to tell us. Mm-hmm. So I have a few more plants that I actually want to talk about as far as their spiritual nature goes. But what I want to do is get ready to take a quick break. And we also have a listener question coming up in a few minutes here. So you are listening to to Wicked Curious. Don't go away. We'll be right back. For the best and curious entertainment, you have to check out New England Curiosities. Located in the historic city of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, New England Curiosities offers tales and tours of folklore, ghosts, and mysterious history. With author and historian Roxy Zwicker, New Hampshire's longest-running and original ghost tour, Roxy has been entertaining the locals, visitors from away, and curious souls since 1994. New England Curiosities has been offering tours and special haunted events since 2002. Highly respected and thoroughly entertaining. You'll be talking about your experience for months to come. Discover why New England Curiosities is consistently on top of travel and tourism lists. Yankee Magazine calls the Shadows and Stones Graveyard Tour one of New England's top five cemetery tours. The Boston Globe says an experience with New England Curiosities is one of the three best alternatives to visiting Salem, Massachusetts. From scenic trolley rides to walking tours and speaking engagements, there's something for everyone. So join New England Curiosities and experience why they are consistently featured in the media, including television appearances on the History Channel and the Travel Channel. Check out the latest legendary tours and events from New England Curiosities at NewEnglandCuriosities.com. And be sure to like New England Curiosities on Facebook. 
Greetings to you, traveler. My name is Roxy Swicker, and you may have heard of me being referred to as Maine's Mystery Maven, or even New England's Scary Godmother. Creativity and curiosity are in my blood, always has been and is a way of life. And I really wanna share my creative projects with you. Just under 20 years ago, I began New England Curiosities, a tour and event company based in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And it's given me the opportunity to connect with so many people. And for the past 15 years, I've been serving the seacoast of New Hampshire as a metaphysical instructor and reader. Two of the things on my path that I've committed to are helping to empower spiritual seekers and to share stories from and with curious folks. I know that community is powerful and we can create so much together. One of my projects is Wicked Curious Radio, a radio show that asks, you are wicked curious, aren't you? And also The Woodland Alchemy, which is a film that brings its viewers to a place of imagination, the unknown, and the mysterious. If you would like to help keep these projects afloat and keep us moving forward, you can check us out on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash you can find all of the magical things that we are doing. You can check out all the different levels of subscription and join us on our journey. So again, it's patreon.com slash roxyswicker, R-O-X-I-E-Z-W-I-C-K-E-R. And we thank you so much for joining our curious journey. You're back with Wicked Curious Radio. I am Roxy Swicker from New England Curiosities. You are finding us on the net, anytalks.net, 102.9 FM HD2, Facebook Live. And if you're listening to our podcast on iTunes or Buzzsprout, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Today we are talking about poisonous plants, strange, mystical, spiritual things that happen to Roxy when she goes out into the forest, <laughs> <laughs> and other ghostly endeavors. Um, like I was saying, uh, just to kind of wrap up our, our thoughts there about poisoned plants, that because they tend to be on the scarier shadow side of things, they're great for shadow work, spiritual work, understanding kind of the unseen right. and the ghost pipes are, are really kind of a, an entryway for me now to see what it's like to work with some of the more shadowy side of plants. Right. Some of the plants that I had brought with me to the event this week were for really deep spiritual work, but not so much uh, the darker side of things. One of the plants that I had brought with me that we had uh, collected when we did our Moosehead trip, which we had talked about yep. last year on three shows, <laughs> we went up to Moosehead Lake. Great three shows. <laughs> Out on the logging roads. Yes. Oh, my God. We had gone up almost all the way to the border of Canada. And it was August, so it was pretty much just a year ago. We noticed all of these amazing plants growing roadside that we don't typically see right. on the seacoast. And they're more of the alpine plants. One of the plants we had found was called fireweed. And I think I had sent a picture of the fireweed to you, Lou. It's the, yes. uh, the pink the pink plants. Fireweed. I had to recrop your shot a little bit. Oh, did so you? Oh, for sorry. The for the resolution so that it would. Cause oh, sorry about that. No, it's not your problem. It just kind of just kind of gets lost if I have it small. So. 
Fire. So a nice cropping on the shot. Oh, there we go. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. And that was uh, the the fire read we saw. It was actually along an old logging road. We we drove the car up the logging road because we could see the pink. So this blooms in July or August. And the amazing thing about fireweed is it only grows where there has been severe devastation. Oh, really? And typically if there was a fire or something that took out all of the living vegetation, the first thing that comes back is fireweed. Interesting. So, hence the name. Hence the name. Yeah. So the spiritual properties of this are dealing and coming back from trauma. There was a woman that had come to our table, and I have a lot of the fireweed seeds that I gathered from these plants that you can see here on your screen. Same thing, you know, I went through the ritual of telling the plant what I was going to do. Luckily, it was just the seeds from the plant that I was collecting, so yeah. I didn't need to cut any plants down. And this woman had come up, and she was going into one of the sessions where they're going to talk about angels and healing and whatnot. And she said, something tells me I need this. And I explained to her about the properties of fireweed and a little bit of the lore of it. I actually even texted her this picture yeah. so that way she would have it because I wanted to show her this is where I got it. So she goes to her session and learns all about angels. And she comes back and pretty much hunts me down at the event. <laughs> And she's got tears in her eyes, and she's like, I knew I needed that from you. She's like, that helped me so much. She says, you must have known that is what I needed. And I'm not going to give you a lot of details. She says, but you know what I'm going through. Oh. And I was like, I know why you bought that fireweed. Like, I, you could just, again, it's weird trying to describe it. Yeah. I could just sense that there was something when we were talking about it. I told her, I, I, I really think that this is going to work for you. And it wasn't even, you know, an hour and a half later. When I collected the fireweed, in case you're, you're wondering, there were some other interesting things going on in the universe at that time. Uh, the moon was waning in, uh, in Scorpio. It was all about getting in and mining through your shadow bag, like the things that really need to be worked on, much mm -hmm. like we talk about in the Woodland Alchemy, going right. through things that you might not want to face but are there anyways. I collected the two little... Communicating with the dark. Communicating with the dark side, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it's, not, and it's not bad. It's not a bad thing to look into your shadow bag and see what it is that's right. in there that shouldn't be in there and doing work on it. And fireweed is one of the things that helps you clear that away so you can have that fresh growth and something that is new. It was, I don't know, it was strange. Just, you know, in, in a matter of moments, she came back and gave me the feedback on the fireweed. And we had sold quite quite a bit of it. And I sell it for, like, practically nothing, just enough right. to cover the bottle. And yeah. the point to me is to share the energy or to share the magic with people. It's not, you know, it's, it's never a money-making venture for me. Right. We had collected some fireweed. We also collected a few other things um we collected some uh white campion which i i don't have any really good pictures of unfortunately to share campion flower grows on uh particularly in england grows on the graves of those who have passed oh interesting it just springs up you know on the grave sites and it's actually called the grave flower white campion flower and it came to the united states it somehow the seeds had made it into the grain on some of the ships that came over because it's not native to north america oh, and yeah. it it sprouts randomly it, and it's I, when we went up to um, Moosehead Lake in that, that region, I didn't see a lot of it. I saw just very few little bits of it on the side of the road, and I didn't get that much of it. It's used for attracting and clearing out 
spirits. Mm -hmm. So if, if you were looking to do spirit communication, then help them move on. So I had brought some uh, white campion flower with me. And then I also brought, which I do have a picture of, and I'm actually wearing Pearly Everlasting. And Pearly Everlasting looks a, a lot like almost little daisies, and they're in the daisy family. We actually had to go as far north as we could to find the pearly everlasting, and it dries beautifully. It's very, very tiny. So when you see the picture, it looks pretty large. Yeah. There's, they're super, super small, and I have them um, in a bottle that I'm wearing right now. And pearly everlasting is used for strength, vitality, uh, all sorts of energy. And um, the Chippewa, actually, the Chippewa Native Americans would chew this flower and then put it on the hooves of horses to make them stronger and to make them more of warrior horses when they went into into battle. Hmm. So the, the lore of this plant goes back very, very far. Have you chewed any? I haven't chewed it, no. No? <laughs> you read that and you don't just take I don't a know. bite? <laughs> no, I didn't. No? Well, you don't, you don't swallow it. You chew it and then you take the chewed stuff and you put it on, on the horses. Oh, it's, oh okay. So you don't, yeah, you don't eat it, eat it. Oh, I thought you, you, you chew it up and then you put it on the horse's hooves. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so it's, it's not for them; it's for the horses. It's for the horses, oh, correct? Okay. Yeah. So um, so I have can chew. Yeah. Yeah. Run in the marathon. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> And so these are, they're pretty amazing, these little flowers, because they, they dry out very, very well. I had been collecting these, and they, when you dry them, they open right up. So mm -hmm. we had to find ones that were closed when we went to harvest them. And then when we dry them back in our room, they all opened up beautifully. There was a, a woman who had another booth at the event we were at. She was looking at them. She's like, oh, she says, I wonder what it'd be like to wire wrap one of these little bottles. She says, I've never done the bottles. And she says, there's something about this plant that's calling to me. So I told her, I says, you know, take one. I says, how does it, how does it go? Is it easy for you to wrap the little bottle without the cap coming off? Yeah. And she came back like 10 minutes later, and she, she had wrapped this one that I have here mm -hmm. and gave it to me. So I gave her another little bottle. <laughs> It's, um, it was just really cool. She said something about it called me. It took me a couple of minutes. Little did I know, the person that I was talking to that wrapped this was actually um, someone who had come to one of my classes at Deadwick's. Oh, God. Yeah. And I was so embarrassed. Oh. I was like, oh, my God. Well. You did. You did. You came to my broom-making class, and I didn't recognize you. I'm so sorry. Oh, you deal with a lot of people. I know. I, I hate. I hate. Constant basis. I hate when that happens. Yeah. It's awful. So. Well, usually they must, they must walk up to you initially and say, hey, I took one of your classes she mentioned mid-conversation yeah she had taken the broom making class and she's like oh it's one of my best memories from the summer is a class that i did with you and i'm standing there and i'm like thinking really hard and i'm like oh yeah that's where you sat in the class oh my god it's so embarrassing i oh. hate when that happens shouldn't be embarrassed i know oh, I you can't keep track of everybody you deal you see a lot of people over I the do. course of a i see a couple people yeah <laughs> over the summer i've seen a couple people yeah. So this flower was just one that has preserved very, very well. It's just, it's so beautiful to think that, you know, there's the Native American lore to it and that it has all of these different associations. And we collected that and we still have a few of those left and we know that they all get to the right people. And it's just, there's so much that's underneath our feet. These were on the side of the road growing in the dirt. That's one of the great things about this plant is it likes, you know, really arid roadside gravelly conditions. And, and right. there it was. I don't know. I just I find it just intriguing that there is so much about the world around us that we can learn if we just stop and take a look to investigate. And I've never seen these plants anywhere around here. Again, we'd have to probably go all the way up there to find them again in the the alpine zone, as it's called. Yeah, and it's, it's funny the 
stories the plants have to tell you, though, that everything around you has to tell you. We miss it Like so the fire often. plant. I love that story. That, the fireweed? You know, yeah, the fireweed. That's what grows back after catastrophe. A- after a serious catastrophe. Yeah. There, there aren't a lot of places that we saw fireweed when we were up there. But you could tell by looking at the landscape and how mature the fireweed was that it was, like, barren. And the more barren it is, as I was reading the lore of fireweed, the better the plant will take. And then the other plants know, and it's strange to say the other plants know, that when the fireweed is thriving, then the other plants can come in and start to seed themselves and start to grow around the fireweed. So when we were looking at where the fireweed was growing, we got, you know, the fresh, the newer, more vibrant fireweed. And then you had other fireweed where you could see other little plants had popped up around. And then other fireweed were more plants, the more mature had been around. So you could could look around and, and see, all right, so maybe this was, you know, maybe this was two years ago. Maybe this was a year ago. Maybe this was six months ago this happened. So does the fireweed eventually give way or... The fireweed will eventually give way when all the plants have reseeded themselves. The fireweed will be gone, hmm. and then it's a thriving environment. Interesting. It's it's yeah. fascinating. There's a great book. It's called Reading the Forested Landscape, and it's about reading kind of the, the woods and the walls and the stones here in New England. It's one of my favorite books. I picked it up probably 10 years ago, and it talks about how you look at certain trees and certain plants will tell you what had happened over the past couple hundred years in that space just by reading where the trees are and what sure. they're doing where Makes the plants sense. are. Yeah. And I thought that to be really true with the yeah. fireweed as well. It was fascinating. Yep. Fascinating. Well, it really is. And it, you would think because its purpose is just to perpetuate, but it gives up that land and mm-hmm. goes somewhere else. How does it get to... How does it get to the disaster area? How does that happen? It, it, there's some sort of network where it just knows. That's what's great about using, you know, its, its energy or its magic or its spirit is it's giving you now, it's working to help you find that fertile ground that you need to come back and recover. Yep. Inspiration and, yeah. and detection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw that with that woman in the matter of an hour and a half. She's like, this is exactly what I needed. And I, I said, are you about to cry? She's like, no. And I looked up at her eyes, and they were, like, full of water and So tears. did something happen to her or in that time period? Or it's just uh, the whole thing hit her? She said, I've, I've got to get this, and I'm going into the angel session. And she said, when she, came, you know, when she came out and found me, she says, I needed that yeah. with me in that session. Interesting. And we, we saw that happen a few times over, over the weekend while we were there. We had, you know, all, all sorts of, you know, weird and curious wares because that's, you know, that's who we are. You know, everything from birch wands to stones and all kinds of stuff. And people would come back to us and say, this is exactly what I needed. I needed this before I went into this class. This is what happened to me with this in this yeah. session. And it's, it's just, it's, well, it's spooky just, cool. A lot of that is getting your antenna up. A lot of that is mm-hmm. just awareness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the old thing. You never heard of a car. And then once you hear of it, it's all you see. Because that, that's... That's where your focus becomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people have a sense that there is some sort of energy or something that that tool can help provide them to open themselves up to more. And to wrap it around to the beginning of the conversation, mm-hmm. whatever your focus is, that's where you tend to go. That's true. Thoughts become things, as mm-hmm. the secret would tell you, and mm-hmm. you know there are various uh, various editions of it. But what you focus on, it's gonna you're gonna bring in, you're gonna call it into being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Just the way it works. To see that happen over and over again to me is still awe-inspiring, though. I know. But if people could... And see, I'm aware of it, and I've had really good periods with it, but I don't keep up on it. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, it's something you have to constantly tune Mm -hmm. and constantly be aware of. 
over the weekend, particularly yesterday, I, I was in the zone. I was yep. so tuned in. And now I'm, I'm noticing emails and phone calls and yeah, everything else. Like, sure. like the, the tuning is starting to turn in another direction. But once once you're on, man, it's yeah. it's incredible. It's really incredible. I know. Like in the secret, they call it manifesting. And I've mm-hmm. had some periods where it's just incredible. Mm-hmm. And then if you start, if once you're aware of the process and you start to look back over your life, you understand how you've manifested just about everything. Yes. Positive and negative. I get so excited about that when it's yeah. the positive. It's it's so good. And and I, I always come to a realization, too, when it's negative, it's like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you have to take responsibility for yeah. it when in the past you've been able to dish it off. That happened to me. Mm-hmm. Well, it did, but, you know, you kind of walk there. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But again, once you learn... Uh, the positive, the power of that, and can apply it positively. You know, really good things start to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's keep that mojo going, though. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard. It's always hard. <laughs> <laughs> we're so negative things are so much more powerful to us. Yeah, we're we're so used to falling they, into that trap. They take our attention. They take our energy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a much more powerful way. That's why you need the plants yeah. to to reshift you back where you're going. All right, so we have a listener question yes. that you received, Lou. Can you tell us what the question yeah, is? They were saying that, um, uh, this gentleman was saying that his mother died on this date. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a year anniversary, but it's the anniversary. Okay. And he wanted to know if uh, lighting a candle does anything to ease the spirit or creates any connection with the spirit. How do you go about commemorating commemorating those who have passed on? So one of the first things I do is actually light a candle. I'm a firm believer that a candle, again, talking about energy, a candle sets out the energy and intention that you are either sending good wishes Mm -hmm. to the person that's on the other side. You're hoping for their peace, hoping that there are no issues with them on the other side, because sometimes there are. I'm going to be 100 percent honest with you. Sometimes spirits are around because we're grieving so hard that they won't leave because they want to make sure that we're okay. Interesting. Yeah. happened many many times comes up it's always an eye-opener that they're looking in on us to make sure that we're okay yeah because that connection of so this is saying i'm okay go to the spiritual beach <laughs> we'll talk soon <laughs> something something like that yeah. <laughs> in a manner uh, of speaking in my mortal perspective in, in your mortal perspective yeah the thing that i like to do the most and it's it's so amazing when we think of the memories that we have with people over food. Yeah. I always like to light a candle, set out a place setting or even a cup and have a cup of tea or make their favorite recipe at the table and tell them that I'm thinking of them. And what you're doing in that moment is you're nourishing yourself. Mm-hmm. You're bringing back the memory that you have with that connection with that person that has passed over. Because so so many of our memories with people are around food. This yeah, is the what's place. What's more of, ritualistic than food to, absolutely. to humans? Yeah. And you, you have all of the elements at play there. You have earth, air, fire, water, spirit, energies that are all right there. Interesting. So some of us practitioners believe that when you have all of the elements in place, that that is the perfect conduit to the spirit world to connect with the other side, uh, to go into, dare I say, those liminal spaces. Yeah. So I always say, sit them down, make a place setting for them, break out their picture, play their favorite song, and sit and eat up a memory with them. I like it. And sometimes there's, you know, there's grandma's favorite pasta sauce recipe. (laughs) And just the smell of that. Yeah. 
can conjure them back up because that memory and that energy is imprinted with you. And you get to spend some time with them because while you're preparing the meal, it's it's difficult not to interact and to with think that of memory. That. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and you have two different levels. You have the spirit to deal with, and then you have your own relationship with your memories mm-hmm. of that person. And this is soothing as well, or soothing and positive. It is. And, and what you're doing physically and energetically is filling yourself back up. Mm-hmm. Because when you're when you're done eating, you're bringing in all of that energy back to yourself, and you're sending it to that spirit on the other side to be whole, to be restored. And there's to me, there's a magic in that, and other things. And that there's you can, reciprocation too, because if this person is thinking about the anniversary of their mother's death or the mm-hmm. anniversary of anybody's death, obviously they're still in still a, connected, in a, still connected, but in a, a grieving mode. Mm-hmm. But if you get to uh, Paying attention to some of the more positive stuff, like a favorite meal or, mm-hmm. you know, something, then, you know, you're, you're starting to ease that for yourself as well. Well, and you're bringing other senses in to support you in your grief. Mm-hmm. So while you might be feeling the pain in your heart, here you're bringing in some food into your body and it's helping process that. So it's shifting yeah. the energy from your heart into what it is that you're taking into your body to support yourself. And you can even think about certain foods in what they do. You know, t- tomatoes represent love and yeah. you know, all the different connotations that you can have with what you're making. And maybe you still have grandma's old iron pan yeah. that she used to love yeah. or her old teacup. Yeah. And you bring that out and it's just like sitting down with them. And, and to bring it back to woodland alchemy, mm. this is this is a dark area. You've got the death, you've got the loss of a person, but you mm-hmm. sit there and make a meal and you're into, you're not suppressing it. You're not pushing yeah. it off. You're swimming in it and relating to it. And, you know, and that process eases it. And and that's what we call in the film the honor me. Yeah. Honor what you're feeling. Honor the other person. Honor yourself. Right. On your path. And instead of just keeping pushing, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about that. But doing nothing but thinking about it. And and that's the shadow behind you. And that's the shadow in the film that you see when when I'm trying to figure out the balance. When I'm essentially standing there cooking and I'm using my crystal balls and using my cards. I'm trying to transmute that into something that is positive and see it for what it is. And you're doing the same thing. When you put that pot of food on the stove and you're lighting that fire, you are truly lighting that fire and transforming what is there and thinking about that person. And maybe there's a favorite time of day. Maybe there's a favorite song. Bring all of that in. And then when you're done, wish them well, wish them healing, wish them that they're connecting with those that they've missed on the other side, Mm -hmm. which sometimes we forget we have the ability to do too. And how much easier is it to deal with your relationship with the loss when you understand that they're in a good place? Yes. You're helping to put them in a good place. That makes that loss much easier to deal with. It does. And if you have anything that is left unset and in readings and when I talk Mm -hmm. to people all the time, people will tell me, oh, I just wish I had told them this one last thing. I wish I had shown them this one last thing. You can still do that. Do that over the meal. Do that while you're singing them that song that meant a lot to the two of you. Make them dinner and tell. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I, I hope that in explaining that it doesn't sound too far out there. I know the visual of that might sound kind of strange. I'm cooking a meal and setting a place setting for somebody that's not there, but they are there. 
And that's the first thing that I, I have to send out to anybody that's questioning. They really are there. And once you believe that, then you'll get the full benefit of going through that process and, and through that ritual, which truly that is a ritual of honoring them. Yep, turning to face the dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I hope that helps. See, it all came together. It all came together. So the last thing I wanted to cover very quickly before, uh, of course, we're running out of time as always, uh, before we go today is on November 1st, we'll be doing an investigation with the Wayne Ghost Project at the South Meeting House mm-hmm. in Portsmouth, which, by the way, is PPM TV. And one of the other many hats that I wear is programming director for PPM TV. So when I'm not here and I'm not doing ghost tours <laughs> yeah. or readings or anything else, I'm right. over there. And it's an incredible building. I've been working with the Athenaeum. They just sent me a whole bunch of pictures and a whole bunch of information about the original meeting house that was up there on the hill. Oh, really? That was deeded back in 1732. When it was the Pickering Lands, before it was even the South End. So I've gotten a lot of information about prior to our current building being there, which is 1800s. Right. So I'm really looking forward to introducing a whole nother side of history to the site, because we talk about the spirit of place as well, not just the building and people that have been in it over the years. We're going to spend some time going through the building. There's a lot of ghosts that are happening in there on a regular basis. A lot of noise, a lot of hearing people talk. A lot of hearing people going up and down the stairs, going back maybe even a little bit further than we did last time we investigated there. So I'll be setting that up on our website probably later today so you can find out about how to join us. And you definitely want to join us. The place is amazing. We're going to go exploring and finding the ghosts. Thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Kathy and everybody that's been giving me great feedback on the show. People really gave me great feedback on last week's show. Oh, it's a great show. Which was super, super fun. Yeah. And we will be back next week with more curious things to talk about. So stay wicked curious. We'll talk to you soon.